Makers, welcome back. This is Faye. And this is Nick. And this is Creogs Over, Over Coffee. Coffee. Today we have with us Dr. Allison Stubbe. Dr. Stubbe is an associate professor in the Division of Maternal Fetal Medicine in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Welcome, Dr. Stubbe. Thanks so much for having me. Dr. Stubbe, we've been meeting with a lot of different people here at the meeting, and we just have to ask, what are you most excited for for SMFM this year? I think the science was really amazing. And I, there, there have been years where the oral plenaries were a sequence of vitamin C and vitamin E do not pre- prevent preeclampsia, five consecutive randomized control trials. Um, and there was none of that this year. I, was, I couldn't believe that it was over at the end of the orals, both for the um, main plenary on, on Thursday and the fellow plenary today. And Dr. Stubbe, since, you know, our listeners are mostly medical students, residents, and fellows, um, you know, what they're interested in hearing, I think, is, you know, how people like yourself found um, OBGYN, found MFM. Um, Would you mind talking to us a little bit about your background and how you became interested in what you're interested in? Sure. So um, when I was in medical school, I by the end of third year, I had really narrowed things down. I was deciding between general surgery, OBGYN, peds, and family medicine, um, <laughs> which is sort of like I excluded internal medicine and neurology, basically. Um, and um, I think the the sort of Venn diagram where all of that overlapped best was was OBGYN. Um, and one of the really important things I did was to do AIs in outpatient practice. One basically running around behind a um, member of the faculty at WashU and OB, I went to our clinics. I took call with her at night, and it was, she was sort of in faculty private practice. Um, and then I also did a rotation with the pediatrics practice in peds. And I found when I was on peds, I really wanted to talk to the moms. And I'd be like, yeah, whatever you're a kid, so tell me. <laughs> what's important to you? And it occurred to me that there was a specialty where I could talk to the moms and not have that be weird. Um, so that's where I think um, OB made a lot of sense. Um, However, I had fallen in love with OB on a really wonderful family medicine rotation in rural Missouri, and it was a full-spectrum family medicine practice where we saw patients for prenatal care. They came in, we delivered the patients, they came back with their babies, and I, I was only there for a month, but I saw that enough times to, to really get interested in the integrated care of mom and baby after delivery. And I think my current interest in postpartum care really grew out of seeing what family medicine looks like in full-scope OB. Yeah. So. Um, it's funny how small things end up resonating years later. Yeah, Dr. Subi, tell us a little bit more about your interests in the postpartum period. I mean, it, you're certainly, if any of our listeners are out there on Twitter, you're prolific in terms of you know, having the latest, up-to-date, greatest things on the postpartum period. And it seems like now it's becoming a neat thing to focus in on that. Um, tell us like where you got that influence and what directions you're headed in. So I think a piece of that came from family medicine and the sort of family physician trapped inside the MFM's body. Um, and then I think in my own experience as a mom, so I have three kids. Um, my first was born the night before the match when I was a fourth-year oh, med wow. student. Oh, wow. So for those med students who are listening, you want to conceive in June. Um, and if you're in labor right before the match, you will not care where you match. And so that will definitely alleviate some of that stress. Um, so so there's time for that since June is coming. Um and then, um, so I started residency with the newborn, and that was its own special experience. And then um, what I realized was I was nursing my baby, and I was going up to pump in the little office, the little pumping place that was on the ninth floor of Women's Hospital at the Brigham. And as I was going back and forth, I ran into some lactation consultants and said, can I come watch you and see what you do? Um, 
And I realized after shadowing a lactation consultant for about four hours, I knew more than any other doctor about breastfeeding because we're taught nothing. Um, and that became a real passion and interest of mine. So I was doing breastfeeding research as a resident and then as a fellow, um, had a second baby the first day of my research block, my third year of residency, which worked out nicely. Um, and then my third child was born right after I started working at UNC as a new attending. And when Max was born, my third, I had a pretty massive postpartum hemorrhage and a transfusion reaction and was discharged home with a crit of 21 or so. And unlike with my other kids, I didn't try to do anything other than take care of my baby. And it struck me as a little bit odd that I had to have a massive postpartum hemorrhage to take care of my baby and not try to schlep to my kids swimming lessons. I'm sure they would not have cared if I were there, but I would have been like, I'm a good mom. I'm going to swimming lessons. Um, and so it was sort of in that vein that I started thinking about how moms feel this pressure to do all these things when they should be being taken care of. And so that became kind of the nidus of my interest in fourth trimester. So um, fast forward to when I was on the ACOG Committee on Obstetric Practice and the idea of a committee opinion on postpartum care came up. And I said, hey, I'm interested in that. And so I got to lead that process and start to think about what better postpartum care might look like. And then Haywood Brown, who's been talking about this for years, made it one of his presidential initiatives and invited me to chair that committee. Um, and I will say, when I first got the letter, I thought, you know, this must be a mistake. <laughs> Why am I being asked to chair this committee? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to lean in. Uh, I can share this. Yeah, I can do this. Um, so I would caution you, if you're invited to take a leadership position, don't say, why did they pick me? Say yes. Um, and go for it, because it was really, really exciting. Um, and with ACOG talking about this, it's gotten traction in the media. I think Serena Williams talking about her experiences has also been incredibly helpful. Um, and I knew that we'd made it when there was a CNN scroll at the bottom about Serena Williams' fourth trimester. And I thought, oh, my God, <laughs> like we're in, the, we're in the zeitgeist now. So um, it's been really exciting to see how that's become something that's more of a priority. And that's some great advice, you know, that whole, um, you know, kind of when you're offered something, go ahead and take that on. Do you have other advice or has anyone given you advice, Dr. Stuby, during your training and things like that that you felt has really stuck with you or anything that you want to convey to trainees? So I think one thing that's really, really important is to have a team. Um, and I have three kids. I am incredibly, incredibly fortunate that my husband um, has was the stay-at-home dad for 10 years. So when I started my residency with a two-month-old, or three-month-old, I guess, by the time I actually started. Um, we were looking into getting a nanny, and my husband had been practicing law in St. Louis, and he said, you know, I don't even want to work for this law firm, and the nanny was going to cost more than my gross salary as an intern, which seemed just wrong. <laughs> um, and he said, well, wait until I figure out what I'm going to do. Why don't I take care of the baby? So there were two more babies. And then when um, Max started preschool 10 years later, Jeff went back and got a master's in city planning, and he's now a transportation planner. Um, but what I have been able to accomplish is in large part due to the fact that I didn't have to worry about packing lunch for daycare or what happened if the kid was sick because my husband had that. Um, and that was a real gift. Um, I, not everybody is going to be able to make that work. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be a doctor unless you have a partner who's going to be able to do that. But I, I just want to make sure to name and acknowledge that because that has been a tremendous privilege that's helped me to do what I'm doing now. So I think the team is really important. Um, the other thing that's really important is to set some boundaries. Um, so when I was a new fellow, I had a patient that had been very complicated that I've been taking care of for months and she was being induced finally. And, and I called and said, I won't be home for dinner. There's a special patient delivering. And my husband said, which one's not going to be special? <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> and so 
I made a commitment at that point that I wasn't going to special anybody. Um, and that is not the right choice for everybody, but I had to be able to say, I'm going to go home and I'm not going to do that. And when I had a prenatal clinic, I would tell my patients, because I have kids and because I need to be present for them, if you deliver when I'm on call, then I'll catch your baby. But if I'm not on call, one of my partners will do it. And then there wasn't any kind of expectation. So whatever your boundary needs to be, I try to do an email Shabbat on weekends for 24 hours where I don't look at my email. That's also been really healing. Um, but, but make some space for your personal life because profession can take it over if you don't set some boundaries. Dr. Stubbe, it, it sounds like your team really keeps you grounded in a lot of ways, but I just have to ask, you know, because you're so busy and you're so involved, what else keeps you grounded? So yoga. <laughs> in fact, so one of the great things at the conference is that we've had um, Shilpa teaching yoga every morning. And so I've been doing yoga every day. And this morning when my little Apple Watch thing synced and texted my husband that I'd gone to yoga, he said, maybe you should arrange for more yoga when you're at home. <laughs> because I was like, it's a great day. And I thought, oh. It's a good point. Um, so I go to a wonderful yoga studio in Chapel Hill where it's kind of therapy and exercise at the same time. And there's a lot of sort of life advice integrated with the poses. And that's been really, really important to me. Um, and then I think my kids are um, always challenging me. Um, they're 17, 15, and 10 now. I had to think because one just turned 15. The 15-year-old just had a birthday. Um, and so I think coming home and trying to set aside stuff and actually converse with them and, and when they're willing to talk to me as teenagers, really enjoy that. It's been really important. Are any of them uh, considering a career in medicine? So I know that when I was studying for my oral boards, my eldest said I would never, ever be a doctor. Oh, gosh. <laughs> they said <laughs> sort of my pathology that I was sort of drooling on um, trying to read at night. Um, I think there's a possibility for Max, my little one. Um, my, my middle child is going to be a businessman and he's going to hopefully support me when I'm old. <laughs> um, <laughs> And Noah don't wants to do computer science, so he, he likes data analysis, and he's actually helped me with some projects. Um, oh, wow. So oh, wow. <laughs> last summer, he was making Tableau dashboards with perinatal data. Oh, man. Which was really fun. That, that's a talented kiddo right there. He's will And he'll do things like I was running data analysis, and he walked by and said, Mommy, stop p-hacking. And I was like, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, smart kids are great, except when they call you out. Fair enough. <laughs> so. No, um, Dr. Stubbe, thank you so much again for joining us. This has been an absolute pleasure. Yes, thank you so much. For me as well. Thank you guys so much for having me. So once again, I'm Nick. I'm Faye. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. If you enjoy our podcast, go ahead and find us on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify, or any of your other podcatchers and give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us online at www.creogsovercoffee.com, on Facebook at Creogs Over Coffee, or on Twitter at Creogs Over Coffee One. Or if you would like to support us uh, for some cool swag or a shout out on the podcast, you can find us on our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Creogs Over Coffee. If you have a correction or an idea for a future show, email us, creogsovercoffee at gmail.com.